Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We're talking about gratitude versus ingratitude. And if you weren't here on Wednesday night, then you didn't hear about ingratitude. So I'll give you a quick review of some of the things that we talked about on Wednesday evening with regard to ingratitude. So uh, just a quick review. God created each and every one of us to glorify him on this earth by manifesting his characteristics among men. One outstanding characteristic of our God is gratitude and thankfulness. How do we know that? Because Jesus modeled it when he was here on earth. Standing before the grave site or the tomb of Lazarus, he said to the Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And what took place after that thank you? He came forth from the grave. When he multiplied the loaves and fish, we're told he first gave thanks. And then the miracle of multiplication took place and fed 4,000 men plus the women and children. So if you figure everybody's married, that's 8,000. If they have at least two children, that's 16,000 on the little boy's lunch. It's almost like an Italian family. Yeah. Well, also we talked about the fact that the fall is what creates ingratitude in the hearts of men. But as I was looking over my notes over the weekend, it was like in, on the inside, sometimes you get that little unction. And it was this. No, it's ingratitude that caused the fall. That then caused ingratitude to be birthed in the hearts of men. What do you mean by that? Well, ingratitude means a lack of or no appreciation for what we have or for what we've been given. So if you go to the garden and think about what God gave them and what they had in the garden, what did they have? Everything you could imagine. They lacked no good thing whatsoever. Perfect environment. Perfect everything in the garden. But then when the focus changed from what they had to what they maybe thought they didn't have, like looking over to the tree, what happened? They acted on that. So what took place was ingratitude, not being thankful for what they had, not appreciating what they had. And so they stepped out beyond, you could say, the boundaries that God established as far as their lives are concerned, his will for their lives. And of course, the rest we know is history. Then we talked about God severely judged ingratitude in the Bible. Look at 2 Timothy here, chapter 3 and verse 8. And before we look at that, in Romans chapter 1, we are told in verse 21, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, and now notice, and were not thankful. Then in verse 28, it says, so God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Now, here is one act of judgment upon these people as a result of ingratitude. What was it? They were turned over to a 
reprobate mind. A mind, you could say, that's corrupt, debased. The way of thinking was wrong. A mind that doesn't understand truth. So think about that statement. He gave them over to this kind of a reprobate mind. And as a result, let's read the scripture. As a result, what they did was whatever they thought was right. So let's read the verse, 2 Timothy 3. Now as Janes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. A reprobate mind is one that resists the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. So in other words, God judged them and gave them over to a wrong way of thinking. And let me, if I may, meddle just for a little bit. May I? We as Christians get criticized for saying that, for example, homosexuality is wrong in the eyes of God. We don't hate people at all. And everybody's allowed to make their own choice and decision as far as they're concerned. But the scriptures teach truth. And God is the God of creation. And he's the one that made man. And in Romans chapter 1, when he goes on to say, I turn them over to a reprobate mind to do the things that they would want to do among themselves. And to, it points out homosexuality as being one thing that they engage themselves in. As a result, of course, this is a reprobate mind in action. And so we cannot in any way say we deny what God says to be true. It's the truth. We're not putting anybody down. Actually, we're loving them more than they're loving themselves because we want them to make heaven. But when a person has that kind of mentality, that wrong way of thinking, and they think that that's okay, then it's ingratitude in manifestation in a reprobate mind. Then also think about this. Remember the serpents in the wilderness in Numbers 21? We talked about that. This is how big God is on gratitude and being thankful. They were brought out of Egypt. They were wandering in the wilderness. They were going into a promised land. Ingratitude was when they didn't look at their past blessing, present blessing, and future blessing. They were occupied with their present circumstances, and as a result, not having a grateful heart, they stepped over beyond what God intended for them. So what they should have done is looked at the past blessing of being brought out of Egypt with silver and gold, not one feeble among their tribe. What they missed out on in the present, God was protecting them from all the wild beasts, the snakes that were in the wilderness, and also providing for them all that they needed, food, water, and clothes that grew on their backs. Shoes that grew on their feet. Can you imagine that? How many businesses would be put out of business if everybody's clothes just grew on them? You wouldn't have to buy anything anymore. You'd have the same outfit for the rest of your life, but that's another story. But they were judged for their ingratitude. See, they didn't see they had a future promised land before them. So they could have looked at the past with gratitude, the present with gratitude, and the future with gratitude, but they failed because they were so caught up with their present circumstances, okay? They didn't see that God was protecting and providing for them. Guess what? When he finally had enough and he judged them, he took his hand of protection off of them. And you know all those snakes he was protecting them from? 
in the wilderness, they have at it. They had at it. They killed them. Thousands of them. Many of them died as a result of the serpent's bite. So now they realize, oh, God was protecting us. God was providing for us. So he gave them a picture of what gratitude should look like. When he put the serpent up on a pole, who does that represent? Christ. Look. Be grateful. Be thankful. It will cost his life for you to have the abundance of life in the promised land. But see, they couldn't see it. So we talked about that. Then we talked about the ten lepers. The only one came back to give thanks. And the other nine basically got a rebuke because they had an ungrateful spirit about them. And then finally, we talked about focus really determines gratitude or ingratitude. It's a matter of focus. How do we see it? Once again, they didn't see that God was protecting them. They didn't see that they had a wonderful light. They didn't see Adam and Eve in the beginning that they had a wonderful environment in which they were living. And so rather than give glory to God and rather than be thankful to God, you know, they began to go beyond that and manifested ingratitude that was judged. Now, as we continue our study, look at Colossians chapter 2, and we'll talk about gratitude. Gratitude means to be thankful, to appreciate everything that God has done for us. Look at this verse, these two verses, Paul, writing by the Spirit. Who taught Paul the gospel? Jesus did. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Have you received him? Amen. So walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. As you have been taught. Now notice what he says. Abounding therein with what? Abounding. The word abounding there in the Greek is a word that means a lot. It means plentiful. It means overflowing. It means in great numbers great quantity and great quality what is he saying here if you're in Christ and you're really rooted and built up in him your eyes should first and foremost be on him and all the blessings that he has provided for each and every one of us in such a way that we have such a revelation of it there is abundant thanksgiving flowing out from our hearts and lives it is overflowing every single day that we breathe in the air that we breathe we should be so grateful so thankful so appreciative of the fact that God has blessed us in so many ways now as far as they were concerned they were brought out of Egypt as far as we are concerned we were brought out of the miry clay. They were sojourning through life to get to a promised land. We're sojourning through life, praise God. And we have what they didn't have. We've got the new birth. We've got the Holy Ghost. We've got the Word of God. We've got angelic help. We've got all the power from on high. We've got the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus to help us navigate through this life. I can go on and on and on. The deposit of God's love within our hearts and lives. We have so much to be thankful for and really to demonstrate gratitude to God for all that he's done for each and every one of us. Thanksgiving then is a time to examine our hearts to determine the quality and the quantity of our thanksgiving to God for who he is and all that he has done for us. And sometimes as believers, we lose sight of that. And that includes everybody. Let's look at some scriptural references with regard to thanksgiving and developing gratitude in our lives. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Notice 
By him, therefore, notice the therefore. When you see a therefore, you're supposed to do what? Find out what it's there for. So what is it there for? If you back up, what you find out, he's talking about sacrifices. In chapter 10, he's talking about only one sacrifice, which is the body of Christ that was a sacrifice for us. In other words, the blood of bulls and goats and heifers and pigeons and turtle doves and all that would never satisfy the claims of justice. He goes on talking about all these offerings that they offered up to God. Really to appease him and have a reconciliation with him. By him, therefore, that's by Jesus, therefore, let us offer what sacrifice? The sacrifice of God, a, a praise to God continually doing what? That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Notice it's the fruit of our lips. What does he mean by that? Remember Jesus said in one place that you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. When he's talking about the fruit of the lips, he's talking about that which is coming from the heart. That is a reality that we have of his sacrifice and all that he's done for us. Aren't you glad you didn't bring a turtle dove this morning that we have to slay and offer on the altar of sacrifice? Aren't you glad you didn't have to bring a heifer that we have to slay and offer as a sacrifice or a lamb, sheep? Aren't you glad? We don't have to do that to have reconciliation with God, to have peace with God. All we have to bring is what? The sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks continually to his name. So as we offer to him this sacrifice of praise, he's pleased with that. And what it says is this, we are humble because it's not what we've done. It's what he's done. It's what Christ has done. It's his performance, not your performance, not my performance. It's his performance. It, it's what he has done for us. The last sacrifice was sacrificed and sacrifices have come to an end. Thank God that Jesus did it for every one of us on Calvary's cross to redeem us, deliver us, and set us free. That's why this verse is so important to all of us. So by him, by Jesus, let us therefore offer to God the sacrifice of praise continuously the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name can we do that for a moment thank you Jesus thank you Jesus for your sacrifice thank you Lord for your great sacrifice that you sacrificed for us the price that you paid for every one of us look at first Thessalonians chapter 5 now we have a couple of more verses about being thankful and showing gratitude rejoice evermore Pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So giving thanks to God in everything is the will of God for every one of us who is in Christ Jesus. And sometimes that's difficult to do and understand. Notice he doesn't say for everything, but in everything. In every situation that we encounter, we are to give thanks to God for his provision if you think about Paul and Silas, when they were beaten and whipped and they were thrown into the innermost prison, what did they do? They prayed, they took their problem to God. They praised, they brought God into their problem. And as a result, the glory fell, the anointing fell, the power of God fell. Everyone was delivered and set free and you know the story. So look at the next one, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Here we have another verse with regard to the expression of gratitude. Now thanks be unto God, which sometimes causes, 
Oh. Which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. What, what a thing to thank him for. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. And sometimes when it seems victory is out of sight, I guess it's important we stay focused on the fact that he's the one who causes us to triumph. You think about Jehoshaphat when they had three armies coming against them. Remember those three armies? I call them the devil, the world, and the flesh. Those three were coming against them. What did they do? They sought the Lord, they got direction, and they began to praise God and thank him that his mercies endure forever, that he was good and his mercies endure forever. And what happened? He fought for them. He defended them. So thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. That's something to give thanks to God for. Look at this next one in, in, in uh, Colossians, 2 Corinthians. This is Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. Giving thanks unto the Father. This is our admonition. Why? Which hath made us meet, which means able, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So we're to thank him for the inheritance that we have. A fourfold inheritance that he now begins to present to us. Who hath, number one, delivered us from the powers of darkness. We have been delivered from the power of darkness. Say it with me. I have been delivered from the power of darkness. That's part of my inheritance. That's part of your inheritance. And who are we to give thanks to God for that? Jesus did it for us. We give thanks to the Father. And hath translated us. Say it with me. I'm translated. Into the kingdom of his dear son. Now remember, you didn't have the power to do that. I don't have the power to do that. You and I were rooted and grounded in the kingdom of darkness until Jesus came along. And after his resurrection and defeat of the enemy... What he did was he got a hold of us and uprooted us from that kingdom and transferred us and transplanted us into the kingdom of his dear love. And now we're in that kingdom of light and righteousness and truth and holiness all because of what he has done. And we're to give thanks to him that he's delivered us from the powers of darkness. He's translated us to the kingdom of his dear son. Number three, in whom we have what? Redemption through his blood. We've been redeemed, not with silver, not with gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You and I have been bought and paid for. Your worth, your value is not found in the things you possess or I possess. It's not found in anything that this world has to offer. Our value and our worth is found in the sacrifice that was made and the price that was paid to deliver you and to deliver me from the powers of darkness and sin and death. And that price was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Not silver, not gold. There's not enough money in the world. There's nothing the world can do to offer anything for the sacrifice for our sin but thanks be unto God that Jesus redeemed us by his blood from every kindred and tongue and people and nation and one day when they all stand before the great white throne judgment and they say but I believed in Buddha and I believed in Confucius and I believed in and they could name all the names they wanted I believed in the big bang theory I believed in you know uh, evolution and he'll say there's only one blood that redeemed mankind from the blood that was tainted by Adam's blood and that blood is the son of the living God his name is Jesus he's the king of kings he's the lord of lords he's the praise of the tribe of Judah 
He is Lord of all. He's the only one out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. They're going to find out there are many ways to God, they say, but there's only one way, praise God, of righteousness. Only one way of truth, Jesus. All the rest are the weight of judgment. But salvation comes only by one, Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. And then what's the last one? Let's read it. And we need to back up to that other verse. There's one more. It's forgiveness. We've been redeemed through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So say it with me. I have forgiveness of sins because of Jesus. Now that's part of our inheritance. That's the fourth part of our inheritance. You see, really it's remission. That word forgiveness there is remission. And remission means, well, let's say with forgiveness, back in the old covenant, they covered sin. In the new covenant, it's remitted, which means it's gone forever like it never existed. And that's what he's talking about there. So in him, we have the remission of sins. That means anything you and I ever did in our lives, as far as he is concerned, is history. It's gone. It's in a sea of forgetfulness, never ever to be brought up ever again. Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. These are just some verses. There are many, many more verses here about being thankful. Psalm 136 is power-packed with, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. But above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body. Notice the command. And be ye thankful. Be thankful. We are all called to be thankful. A thankful people full of gratitude toward God. Remember, for who he is and all that he has done for us. And why do we start there? Because we'll never be able to have it trickle down in other relationships until it starts right there. We all have to see the price that was paid for our redemption. For us to be redeemed, for us to be delivered, for us to have salvation, forgiveness of sins, this inheritance among the saints of light. All these things are ours because of him. And so it's commanded. Now this I just threw in here that I think would be helpful to us looking at it from a, an emotional and physical standpoint. And it comes from the Harvard Health Publishing. And it's basically an article on gratitude. And these are some of the things that's linked to gratitude. Number one, it's linked to happiness. Too often we're trying to find happiness somewhere else. But happiness comes from within. And it starts with being gr grateful to God. Having gratitude toward God for what he's done for every single one of us. Things we could never do for ourselves. And what does it do? It creates happiness within the heart of an individual. It also increases positive emotions. Third, it strengthens relationships when we are grateful and show gratitude. It improves physical health. It aids in developing problem-solving skills. Once again, this is a Harvard study. The next, it develops personalities. It makes us more optimistic. It increases self-esteem, improves sleep, increases energy levels, and helps us relax. So all these things are connected to being grateful and thankful and expressing gratitude in our hearts toward God for who he is and all that he's done, but then also in the lives of others. Now, developing some keys. Gratitude developing keys are next. Number one, the most important probably of them all. How are we going to develop an attitude of gratitude? 
How are we going to stay away from an attitude of ingratitude? Starting with number one, we need to know that who we are, what we have, what we know, and what we can do comes from him. Who we are, what we have, what we know, what we can do. Some years ago, I was asked to pray the prayer um, at my class reunion. And so when I got up to say the prayer, I'm standing before, of course, all my peers that I graduated with who thought I was a lunatic and crazy and, and all that and said, and Anzavino's a pastor. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's not even possible. They knew the name. They knew my cousin Ronnie knocked out cows with a punch. That was his, we're going to go traveling out through the fields and knock out cows. Don't mean any offense by it, but that's what he did. Someone asked us the other day, are, are, are we with what group? And we said, no, we're with the mafia. We got to look after that one, but anyhow. Where was I? <laughs> oh, my. Anyhow, where, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? <laughs> I was at my class reunion, and it must have been the mafia. It just, it just hit me. I thought, oh, my goodness. My grandfather wanted to be part of the mafia. Well, he didn't want to be part of the mafia. Never mind. Forget it. Anyhow, <laughs> I'm at my class reunion, and, you know, in front of all these peers, and I've got to have this opening prayer, the invocation on the whole thing. And like I said, I'm getting all these eyes stared at me because of my background and the name of Anzavino in Youngstown and so on and so forth. And the first thing I said was, it's first and foremost important in my prayer that we acknowledge God for who we are, what we have, what we know, and what we can do. Because all of our achievements that we have experienced in life have not become, have not come to us because of who we are, what we have, what we know, what we can do. But we thank you, Father, because of who you are. We have, we are who we are, we have what we have, and so on. And just went through the whole thing. And after it was all over, I had one of my peers come up to me and said, boy, that was absolutely wonderful the way that came out and came across. Because you see, at the end of the whole thing, I was able to lead my entire class in a sinner's prayer. You don't get that opportunity very often to do that. You know that. The whole class. And I had like over 300 that graduated in my class. And I, I was able to pray a sinner's prayer with them and thank God for that. But look at First Chronicles chapter 29, a scriptural verse that will help us understand this. This is David, and notice what he says, unlike what Nebuchadnezzar said. So let's read these words. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee. And thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great. And to give strength unto all. Now therefore our God we thank thee. And praise thy glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people? 
that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort. For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. So what's she saying? We're nothing and you're everything. The offering you gave this morning was his in the first place. The silver, the gold, the cattle on a thousand hills all belong to the living God, right? It's all his. What do we have to give that he hasn't created? He's giving us everything. He's given us life, all that we have, all that we are, all that we know, whatever we can do. And Nebuchadnezzar, if you recall, just on the opposite side of what David just said, said this. This is my kingdom. With my great power and my great hand have I done such a wonderful, fabulous work. And what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? God removed his hand. He became like an animal living out in the woods, in the forest. And you know the story. Went insane, lost his mind, and God showed him. You think you can do it? You think it's your skills, your abilities, your power to bring it all to pass? And when he finally came back to his senses, what did he say? There's only one. He humbled himself before God and said, man, it's all from you. All that I am, all that I have, all that I know, all that I can do, it all comes from you. So what are we supposed to do? Thank you for who I am, what I have, what I know, what I can do. Number two, focusing on daily blessings. Once again, we're talking about developing gratitude, keys, keys to developing gratitude. Daily, we're blessed whether we recognize it or not. Those Israelites were being blessed every single day, but the blessing of God's protection and provision escaped their thought life. Oh, they found out when he moved his hand and the snakes came and bit them, then they realized God was doing something. See, they were so keen on their circumstances that they couldn't see beyond that. But God blessed them to bring them out of slavery. God blessed them while he was protecting them and providing for them. And God had a blessing for them in the promised land that they were denied because of their ungrateful heart attitude. What does that say for us? The same thing. Did he bring you out of the miry clay? Did he place you in his kingdom? Has he given you everything that you have that pertains to life and godliness? We all have abundant blessings and our focus should be on the blessings that we all have. Has he promised you a home in glory that he's gone to prepare for you? Did he say, that's where I'm at. I want you to be there with me as well. I am making, creating, providing a dwelling place for you. Thanks. You know, I just, yesterday did Brother Skip McReynolds' uh, funeral service and preached it. And this is how it just came out. I believe when Jesus goes there to prepare a place for all of us, it's for everyone. But there are some houses that are not occupied. And they never will be. Because they chose not to follow the Lord. Think about it. They'll spend their eternity in a lake of fire. Because they chose not the way of God. But you know what? He made provisions for everybody. He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Each and every one of us. No exceptions. Look at Matthew 15. Daily, we're to focus on things that we have, not what we don't have. And if we'll do that, we'll develop an attitude of gratitude in our lives. Here's Jesus in Matthew 15. We talked about earlier. Jesus called his disciples unto him and he said, I have compassion on them all too because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat and I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. Isn't that something he was so concerned about them fainting because they had nothing to eat? 
Some healthcare centers should be concerned about that verse. Okay. But do you know that verse comes off the heels of prior verses that said they were up on a mountaintop and they brought to him the blind, the deaf, the dumb, and the maimed, and many others that had other diseases? And he healed them all in so much that the blind saw, the deaf heard, the lame walked, and the maimed were made whole. That just happened. And then once the miracle crusade ended, guess what? They, he sent them on their way. They were going to go on their way. He said, wait, 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 wait. You guys are hungry. Isn't that something he's so compassionate that he's even concerned about the fact, I'm not going to send them and let them away and let them faint. Okay, so we read on. Jesus said, and his disciples say unto him, when should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? And remember, there could be about 16,000 people there. And Jesus saith unto them, what do you have? How many loaves have you? And they said seven and a few little fishes. He commanded them this the multitude to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and the fishes and he called a baker. Schwabel's Baking Company up in Youngstown, Ohio and said, help. Or he called downtown in the strip district for, you know, yeah. What did he do? Gave thanks. He gave thanks. Why is this so powerful? Because they saw what they didn't have. They were looking at the disciples, what they didn't have. We don't have enough to do this. Jesus said, what do you have? Be thankful for what you have. And he gave thanks. And what did he do? He broke them. Gave to his disciples. And you know what it says? He gave them. He broke them. I bet you he said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Seven times, thank you. Now, I know how he did it with the fish. Yuck, thank you. Yeesh, thank you. Slimy, thank you. He gave to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude and they did eat. They did all eat and were filled and they took up the broken meat that was left seven baskets full and they that did eat were 4,000 men beside women and children. Which as I said, if it's just a family of four, you're talking about 16,000 people. Seven fish or seven loaves of bread and some fish. Think about that. Because he said what? Thank you. Wouldn't it be something if we could do that? Just uh, be thankful for what we have and watch it multiply. Look at number three. Expressing gratitude to others reinforces our grateful heart. Mutual appreciation builds people up. Look at Philippians chapter one. I, I know that it's, it's not in your notes there. I fooled you. No, this was an addition. So it's not in your notes, but I just thought it would go good here. Go well here. English teachers might be out there. I don't want to make sure. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank 
my God upon every other remembrance of you. Every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy. Paul appreciated those around him. He appreciated those that supported him and helped him. Number four. No one's guilty of this in this service. Refusing to grumble and complain. All right. Should we just skip it? Should we skip it? Grumbling and complaining about everyday life. It is easy to do this, and that includes all of us. No one is exempt to grumble and complain. Well, like I said about the ingratitude. I got to fill up this gas tank. There's, you know, there's no one to pump it for me. It's, it's snowing outside. It's, the wind is blowing like crazy. And your focus is on the fact that you're freezing and your hands or your knuckles are numb. You forgot your gloves and et cetera, et cetera. And you're pumping the gas. But you know what? You've got a car. Aren't you glad you have a car to take you to your destination? You don't have to walk there. See, it's a matter of focus, how we see things. The uh, Israelites, we said, grumbled and complained. What about the prodigal son's brother? What about him? Oh, did he get upset because he killed the, daddy killed the fatted calf for his brother who took his inheritance and he spent it on women and, and food and drink and everything else. He found himself with the pigs and the hogs. He was eating, you know, with them in the miry clay of the mud and everything else. And finally he came to his senses and he came back. When he got back, his father met him, greeted him, put on the ring, the toga of Aurelius, the robe of righteousness, and, and said, this is my son that was lost. He's found, he's come back, etc., etc." And the brother was jealous over what he had done. He griped, he complained about the whole thing. Guess what? He said, son, everything is yours. This is all yours. What are you complaining about? He's come back into the fold. We're happy that, for that. But this has always been yours. You've had all of this. Nothing to complain about. And the last one, facing challenges with the right spirit. Facing challenges with the right spirit. Mm. Wouldn't it be nice to face these storms without all the things that go with it? The emotions and all that. We, we can't escape that. But anyhow, let's uh, look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Be careful for nothing. Uh, we should just stop and go home right there. Don't worry about anything. But in some things, everything by prayer and supplication with what? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, report if there be any virtue and any praise, think on these things. So obviously, there's a lot to do with the way we think, is there not? But facing challenges... With the right spirit, for example, James says it this way, count it all joy 
when you encounter difficult situations in your life, knowing the trying of your faith works patience, let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect entire having nothing. So in conclusion, God wants us to be a people of grateful hearts, gratitude, thankfulness, starting with him, who he is, and all that he's done for us. And Thanksgiving really is a time that we evaluate our own hearts and lives. What quality and quantity of thankfulness and gratitude do we have in our hearts for God, to God, for all that he's done for us? Examine our own for ourselves. Let it trickle down from there, and then it goes into family and friends, etc., etc. But if we lack gratitude, it's up to us to make a decision that I am going to change. I'm not going to focus on what I don't have when I can focus on what I do have. Look at Deuteronomy, and this is our closing text, 28. Very powerful scripture, very important scripture to all of us. Remember, Deuteronomy 28 is the chapter that talks about the blessings and the curses. And if we do what God's word says to do, we'll be blessed. If we don't, we'll be cursed under the curse. Because you serve not the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. I've had people say when God does something for me, then I'll get happy, I'll get excited, I'll, get, I'll have gratitude. You've lost, you lost it. You just missed the whole thing. You don't see a thing. Because what he's done for us is out of the park. But you see, they don't see it. And in many cases, people have a reprobate mind. They can't see it. But anyhow, he, he goes on to say, Therefore shalt thou serve your enemies. Because you didn't serve the Lord your God with joy for his glass heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore, because of that, you will serve your enemy, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, in one of all things. He shall put a yoke of iron upon your neck until he have destroyed thee. Look at the two. Look at the two sides of the spectrum. God says the abundance of all things in the promised land belongs to you. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. I'll bless your bread. I'll bless your water. I'll bless your coming in. You're going out. I'll bless you in the city and field and basket and store. All that you set your hand to do will prosper. I'll be an enemy to your enemy. Praise God. And I'll see to it. And he goes on and on and on about the blessings of the promised land. If you serve me with gladness of heart, joyfulness and gladness of heart, for the abundance of things that I've done for you. If not, you will serve your enemy. He'll put a yoke of iron around your neck and that's no yoke no joke it's not and what's the whole goal of the enemy until you be destroyed so what would we rather have ingratitude with a yoke around our neck until we're destroyed or gratitude for the abundance of all things that he has provided for us. It's up to us to recognize God's wonderful blessings that he has provided for us and make a change in our hearts if we need to and start thanking him more until what? As we said in the beginning, the quality and quantity abundantly. We're talking about joyfully, abundantly, plentifully worshiping and thanking God with a grateful heart. Let's all stand before the Lord.